Well, each week, Pastor Kyle is continually encouraging us and building us all up that we each walk in Jesus' nature, that we are more and more like him, and that at any given time, any of us could share the good news. Well, this week, I'd like y'all to stand and welcome Annalisa Barraza as she brings the word tonight and can continue in this mantle that Pastor Kyle's bringing to all of us. So, Hey, y'all, can you get there? It is. Um, I realized right before we were coming up here that I am not as tall as Pastor Kyle, and this was going to tower a little bit too close. So I'm going to set up, and um, how are you guys doing? <laughs> well, um, it's an honor to be here with you guys um, every week. And um, it's an honor for me to be able to be up here um, to bring the message tonight. And it's um, humbling for me. And I'm excited for what the Lord has. Um, and I, as Pastor Kyle and I were um, talking about this, and um, we both felt the Lord had it for the, had this message as a part of the series. And so the current series that Pastor Kyle is teaching is called, is called Building Materials. And so just getting back to really what the Lord has for the church and the basics of the church and what that looks like and means. Pastor Kyle has covered fellowship and prayer and submission. And this week, um, we're gonna, I'm going to bring it with, a, with a, an, another section of the, of the teaching. And so um, if you're taking notes tonight, tonight's message is called Discipline Over Religion. And so if you are here for worship, you know um, that there were, there was the term used to make room tonight. And I heard that and I got so excited. I know the Lord's all over this tonight because I'm going to cover that. I'm going to cover what it looks like to make room for the Lord to move in our lives. And um, I'm going to start off by saying you would never know this. If tonight is your first time here, you probably didn't realize that most of the leadership is out tonight. Most of the leadership is actually not here tonight. And you wouldn't know that because of how, of how smooth it went. And that speaks to what the vision of this house is, vision to see people come alive in Christ and equipping people to step into who God has them and who God created us to be. And so it was just a beautiful testimony to that. But also, maybe you did know that it was a little bit different. Maybe you came in here like we, I'm, in the huddle beforehand, we knew, we knew it looked different. But we were still so expectant for what the Lord has. And so I want to I wanna challenge that thought when, you know, if you're coming into something different and church is looking, is looking different for us and it's not our normal leadership that we see, it's not Pastor Kyle up here, um, I want to kind of push that tonight and kind of stretch us in that because what we do is we want to say it should look a certain way or it has to be a certain way. I have to hear this person in order to be able to be fed or poured into and, and that's not what we're here for. And so we're, I'm going to lay it out because that is going to go in the religion camp. We're going to talk about two camps tonight. And I say we're going to talk about two camps tonight, okay? So before I begin, before I, I want to lay some terms down. So I'm going to say a lot of words tonight. And I want you to know what I'm talking about. So when I talk about religion, we talk about a lot about the spirit of religion in this house. And maybe you're really familiar with that. Maybe you have no idea what we're talking about. Or maybe you just need a refresher. That's what I'm here for tonight, okay? So, spirit of religion says, I have to do this. 
in order to be a quote-unquote good Christian. I have to earn my salvation. I have to do certain things, say certain things. It has to look a certain way or else it's not right. So if I say religion tonight, that's what I'm referring to. If I say legalism tonight, that's what I'm referring to. That camp, okay? And I talk with my hands a lot, so religion will probably be over here, okay? And then on the other side, on the other side, we have discipline, the discipline camp. You'll hear me use, I'm a, I also am a homeschool teacher. I'm a homeschool mom. <laughs> um, so a little grammar lesson. <laughs> You'll hear me say disciplines, plural, and as a noun, okay? Disciplines, plural. So just a quick example, because I'm going to give you more. Church would be part of those disciplines. It's the things that we do, the, the disciplines that we hold, okay, that helped us to steward the presence of the Lord or grow that relationship, okay? Disciplines, okay? You'll hear me say that word. Maybe you'll hear me say discipline. So discipline as a verb, okay? So not the noun, but maybe we are being disciplined, okay? Um, there's, or discipline as a verb. So we're, you'll hear those terms a lot tonight, okay? Okay. I'm also going to push the narrative, <laughs> the box, of spiritual disciplines. So I want you to bear with me tonight. Now, maybe you don't know what that, what that means. I'm going to break that down for you, too. So spiritual disciplines, we usually refer to those as prayer, church, worship, Bible reading, all the things that we know get us to know the heart of the Lord, okay, that, get, that bring us closer to knowing the heart of God. Those are spiritual disciplines. And I want to stretch that box and tell you that everything in our daily life has the ability to be a spiritual discipline. So I'm not even going to say spiritual discipline tonight. I'm going to say discipline. Okay? Okay. Before um, we jump into any further examples, I want to dive into the why. Why would we be talking about disciplines? Why should we care? Why does it matter? And for that, we're going to go to the Bible. <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to be jumping around a lot tonight, so just so you know, but we're going to start in Exodus. We're going to start in Exodus 26, verses 1 through 6. Okay, and I'm going to read these verses for you, and for this purpose, these purpose um, I'm going to have you close your eyes as I read these to you, and I just want you to just kind of get in, maybe you're not a visual person, but just visualize what is happening in these verses, okay? Moreover... You shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully, skillfully worked fully into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. All the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another. The other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is in the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another, and you shall make 50 clasps of gold and couple the curtains to one another with the clasps. 
so the tabernacle may be a single whole. You can open your eyes again if they're closed. That was pretty visual. That's pretty specific. And I, wanna, I want you to know what's going on before these six verses and after. There's an entire chapter before this that is just as visual, and it's all describing, there's three chapters after this, and it's all describing the building of the tabernacle. Pastor Kyle has touched on this the past few weeks. It's all describing the building of the tabernacle that will house his presence. Okay? One of the things, when I'm reading God's word, the first question that I like to ask is, what does this tell me about who God is? Because ultimately, I want to know his heart. So what is this telling me about who God is? And right now, knowing this, this is telling me that God cares deeply about the details of that what will house his presence. He cares very deeply about those details. So that's a truth about God. We know that truth now, that God cares deeply about the details of that that houses his presence. Now we're going to pair that truth with Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection, okay? After he resurrected and he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled believers. The Holy Spirit filled us, and it fills us up. We house the Holy Spirit. We house the Spirit of God. So if we know the truth about God caring about the details, then we must also know and believe that God cares deeply about the details of our lives because we house his Holy Spirit. We're going to move and we're going to carry that truth because we're going to carry a second truth too. We're going to move to Exodus 29. Exodus 29, verses 38 through 42. I love me some Old Testament, guys. I'm going to be real honest. I do. <laughs> Exodus 29, verses 38 through 42. And I don't know if they're going up there, but I'm, I'm out of the ESV. Um, I think usually it's an LT. So um, 29, 38 through 42. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of hen of beaten oil. And a fourth of a hen of wine to drink for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And shall offer it with a grain offering and its drink offering, as in the morning, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering through your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you there, to speak to you there. Why would I choose a sacrifice when we're talking about discipline? And I just got done talking about details of, of that that houses his presence. God cares about the details of our lives. But as we just saw, first question that I like to ask is, what does this tell me about who God is? What does this tell me about his heart? And what these tell me 
is that God also cares about what we do with our days. So when we're looking at the sacrifices, it's easy to read this and say, okay, they sacrificed in the morning, they sacrificed at night, at, at one in the evening, right before it got dark. Okay, no big deal. That's not a lot of time. But actually, if you know anything about and the sacrifices took time. It was a very, if you go on to read in Leviticus and Numbers, there were very specific details of the burnt offerings. Oh, there it is again, details. There were not only details of the offerings, but this wasn't a, a clean thing. It wasn't a quick thing. They were there. They were doing everything very specifically. And it didn't just burn up so quick. The smoke was going all day. And so when I read this and I ask, what does this tell me about God? I answer that and I say, it tells me that God cares, cares about what I do with my days. Because Jesus fulfilled those. He fulfilled all of that. So when I have to pull the truth out that applied then and applies now, God cares deeply about the details of our lives, and he cares what we're doing with our days. Now, we can leave those by themselves and not pair it with the third truth that I'm going to bring. But if we do that, then it's going to live in the religion camp. And we're not going to leave it there. So we're going to pair it with a third truth. And I'm way ahead. <laughs> I've made it a discipline of mine um, every morning to, before I get out of bed, before I do anything, my eyes are still closed and I'm awake and I'm really fighting getting up. Um, I've made it a discipline of mine to say the same prayer every morning. It's quick, five seconds, no big deal, right? Um, one day this past two weeks, like two weeks ago, um, I have, those of you that don't know, I have a one-year-old, and she still likes to wake up sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, this particular, particular night, she had been up every hour, and I was, ooh, I was struggling, but the day was coming, <laughs> and I have kids, and I, the day is going to start whether I'm up or not, and I got to be up. So I was laying there, and I was grumbling, and I was exhausted, and without even thinking about it, my brain immediately started saying the prayer, because I had done it every day. And so I said that first line, Lord, I'm thankful before you. And then I realized what I was doing, and I paused. I was like, and I went back, and I said that line again, because that time I really, really meant it. I said, Lord, I'm thankful before you, living and enduring king. And I said the rest of my prayer, and, I, and I, I say this because what happened was a discipline and a habit that I had been doing turned into something that I didn't have to think about, something that wasn't ruled by my emotions, it wasn't ruled by my exhaustion, and it happened and it caused me to stop. And all of a sudden, the reality of my exhaustion and my sleepiness and my grumbling came under the umbrella of the reality of the kingdom. All because I held a discipline. And God said, I'm going to use that 
to bring you back into my reality so that you're not ruled of the things of this world. So he changed, he used my mind and my habit and that discipline to change my heart. And the third truth that we have to pair is that God is deeply after our hearts. We're going to turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 10. If I can. Maybe. I'm going to read it from there. (laughs) This is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. If we know that God cares deeply about the details of our life, we know that he cares about what we do with our days, we have to pair that with the reality that God is after our hearts, and he has put the law on our hearts through Jesus. Before I get deeper into more examples, because I want to leave you with examples and what discipline is, but I really want to go into what discipline is and what it isn't, because that matters. Discipline, by definition, is a practice of training to obey a set of rules. Some of you may be squirming in your seat. I'm not a rule follower. I am, but maybe you're not. (laughs) You're squirming in your seat. I'm I'm not a rule follower. I have to obey a set of rules. Or maybe you even said you heard not rules, but you heard law. And you heard maybe you have to obey the law. That's not what I'm saying. Because we're going to take it and we're going to apply, we're going to apply it to the Bible, to Jesus, okay? We're not going to use a worldly version. We're not going to use a religious version. We're going to use the freedom, Jesus-loving version, okay? So we take that, de- that definition. Discipline is a practice of training to obey a set of rules. And we're going to apply it to the kingdom. Discipline becomes practices that train us to obey and follow Jesus. Discipline becomes practices that train us to obey and follow Jesus. Jesus, the fulfillment of the law, that is what discipline does. Discipline disciples us to obey and follow Jesus. Therefore, becoming more and more like him. Less conformed of the world into the world and more conformed to the things of Jesus. I'm going to hopefully drive this home with, um, drive this, this um, point home. We're going to look at Matthew 12, verses 9 through 15. And um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this. <laughs> I'm going to read it all the way through, okay? I'm going to read it all the way through, and then I'm going to go back and revisit some things, okay? Matthew 12, we're going to start in verse 9, 9 through 15. He went on from there, he being Jesus. 
and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Okay. There's a lot going on here. And I'm going to explain some things in the text um, as well to to help us get a better understanding of what's going on. And it has a lot to do with what we're talking about. So first we're going to start. So Jesus was, they were entering the synagogue. Synagogue was a place of teaching. Okay, so they're entering the, enter the place of teaching on the Sabbath, the day of rest. Okay, so in um, the day of rest is you're not to do it. There's a lot of um, rules that God had gave us, that God gave the Israelites in um, the Old Testament to follow on Sabbath. And so they were doing all of those rules, okay? And so they, one of those things that they did on Sabbath was go to the synagogue. And they were taught, and they sat under teaching, and they, and they learned, Okay. It's one of the things that they did on on the Sabbath. So Jesus is walking in there, and he sees a a man whose hand needs healed. But then we see some Pharisees. So those that we read in the New Testament, those were actively Pharisees, were actively um, against what Jesus was doing. They were actively against all of his teachings and who who he said he was and who he was. Um, So we have to understand that. They, They are looking to accuse him. Okay, and that's their heart. Their heart is to accuse him. We know that because it says it. And they're going to try to catch him. Okay, they're going to try and like catch him doing something wrong. Okay, and they do it by asking him a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And in order to understand how they're trying to catch them, we need to know what that means. And so we have to understand that in the laws that were given to the people, the Israelites, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, the, the laws that were given to them, okay, what the Jewish people then did, they took those and they made regulations to better help their people to follow these laws, okay? One of the laws is to not work on the Sabbath. And so a lot of the regulations called for working around and not trying to get trying to make sure that no one was working on the sabbath so one of those regulations they did was say it's not lawful to heal on the sabbath because you may work if it's not life or death you're not healing on the sabbath because that may be considered work okay it was a regulation to help the people okay so they're saying hey jesus who is a jewish man is it lawful to heal on the sabbath I want you to see what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't yell at them and say, your laws are trash, your regulations are trash, I'm out, like I'm healing him. (laughs) He doesn't say that. Instead, what he speaks to is their heart. And he actually uses another regulation to speak to their heart. 
Another regulation they had was if an animal was in a pit, it was lawful to carry or pull them out of the pit if it was helpless. It's a regulation that they had on the Sabbath to help them follow the rules. And so Jesus says, is it lawful to do that? And notice it doesn't say if they said yes, because they knew. And maybe they did say yes, but it doesn't say that. But they knew, and Jesus knew. And everyone in that synagogue who had been learning and being under teaching knew. And so Jesus says, this is life or death because this is man. And he turns and heals them. So what we need to understand is that God, that Jesus didn't say, I'm going to throw out everything. I want, you to, I want you to throw all this out. I don't want you to do this anymore. He spoke directly to their heart because he's after our hearts. Now, what I am not saying, <laughs> let's, what I am not saying, I don't want you to leave here thinking this is what I'm saying. I am not saying we are to follow all, like every single law. I'm not saying we need to follow the Old Testament law. That is what I'm not saying, because I'm going to talk about that later on, what discipline looks like in our life. So hear me now. <laughs> That's what I'm not saying. What I am saying is that Jesus was first and foremost after the hearts and a religious mindset, just like in Matthew, has the ability to turn gifts and disciplines that the Lord gave us into something it is not. When you pull those disciplines out of communion with God, you pull it into the religion camp. When you pull those disciplines out of relationship with God, you put it into the religion camp. Religion says you must do things, you must say things correctly to earn salvation or a place before the Father. Okay? It says, it says that you have to do it. It says you have to do all these things. But religion can also say, I'm going to justify your laziness. I can justify you not doing anything. I'm going to give you an example. If I, like, I spend time with the Lord in the morning. Okay, it's just something I do. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But it's something that I do. I enjoy it. It helps me. I love it. Um, it's my time before four kids wake up. If I'm snoozing my alarm one morning, I'm like, not today. I, I'm so tired, Lord. I can't. Not today. I'm done. <laughs> That's okay. Because I can step into the presence anytime I want. That's okay. The Lord's going to meet me where I'm at. I know that truth. But when that exception 
becomes the majority. When we hold a discipline and that exception becomes the majority, we might not have a religion problem. We might have a discipline problem that we're refusing to acknowledge because we've justified it and already called it religious. I'm going to say that again. When we hold disciplines, and when that exception of stepping out of those disciplines become the majority, we might not have a religion problem. We might have a discipline problem that we're refusing to acknowledge because we've already justified and called it a religion, a spirit of religion. Religion says, I have to earn. Religion says, I am what I do. Religion also says, I don't have to do anything. Matthew 7, 23. I'm going to read it from here instead of just one verse. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. In ESV, it says, you of lawlessness. So religion also says, I don't have to do anything. Religion takes something that God called good and pulls it out of true communion with him. Discipline. Discipline is being discipled by the Holy Spirit. Discipline says, I am not what I do, but what I do affects where my heart can be. Discipline says, I am training you to be more like Jesus. Discipline takes what God calls good and leaves it and it clings to communion with him. going to jump back to what I said earlier. Just because it's not called a spiritual discipline doesn't mean it's not a discipline. Um, we have uh, four beautiful girls. You guys have, if, if you've been here, you know them. Hopefully you love them. <laughs> um, <but laughs> one of the things that um, we, it's easy for me to talk about my girls in this sense because um, when my husband Joey and I, we put a lot of intention and time into discipling them and what that looks like. And it's always a very a stark reminder for me of what God is doing with us through his Holy Spirit. And so I can't not talk about what we do with them because it's such a visual. And I'm going to show you how. One of the things that we have our girls do is um, when we're in a conversation with each other or another adult, um, we have taught them to come up to us and silently place their hand on our shoulder or our hip, um, and then we'll put our hand on their hand to let them know, hey, we, we, we know that you're here. When there's a place to pause, I'm going to turn to you and see what you need, okay? And so it's just a, it's, it's a way to disciple them. But I want to think about that. What is it actually discipling them in? Because this is what I want to get to 
when we're looking at our disciplines and what we hold. Because what that is actually discipling them in is patience. They're learning how to be patient. They're learning what it's like to wait. It's also discipling them in thinking about what they need to say and if they need to say it. Because a lot of times, they'll stand there for 10 seconds and like, meh, and then run off. Because maybe what they said really wasn't that important to them. So they thought about it, and I'll go back later, and I'll say, hey, what, what, what did you need? And she's like, oh, I was just needed this at the time, but I figured it out. So it's discipling them to also stop and think about what they're going to say. It's discipling them to be slow to speak. A five-second five thing that we taught them. The smallest, smallest discipline is actually discipling them in two very, very big things. And I want you to know that God is doing the same thing in our lives. The disciplines that we hold train us. And they train us either for the things of the Lord or for the things of the world. Anything can be a spiritual discipline if we're using it to be trained by the Lord. Examples of disciplines, grabbing your phone first thing in the morning, exercising, walking every day, Bible reading, your work ethic, both at home and in the office, the way that you stop and pause when you're angry before you respond, the way that you stop and pray before really difficult conversations, making breakfast, doing dishes, mowing the lawn, these are all disciplines. All have the ability to disciple us if we place them in the context of relationship. One of the things the girls and I do um, before we start our homeschool each morning, we sit at the table and we read and repeat um, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. We do that because we want to remember where our days belong, who they belong to. That's a discipline that we hold that reminds us, and it takes us no time, no time at all. And sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes the baby is screaming. If you've been in our house, you know. Sometimes milk is being spilled. But we're saying it. And I say this because the work of our hands, the thought in our minds, and the binding of our hearts matter when we're stepping into our disciplines. Because if we take them out of that, we pull them into back, back into the religion camp where they don't belong. Now, the enemy can convince us 
that these disciplines hold our faith. What do I mean by that? So that discipline of saying this verse every morning. Religion and the enemy have the ability to say, hey, that's where your faith is. They don't have the ability to convince me. That's, I, I got choice, right? But they have the ability to speak to that, to say that. And we have the ability to choose. And so I want to address the very real possibility and the very real thing that happens when disciplines turn to religion. When disciplines get pulled out of relationship. I want to address questions we can ask, things we can do, ways that we can discern. So there are three questions that I have that we can ask, okay? Um, so maybe we're in a place where we are starting to believe a discipline we hold or that we do each day um, is starting to maybe come out of the, um, the, the relationship and communion with God, okay? So we're like, this might be turning religious. Maybe I'm starting to believe that this is where my faith is or that I do have to do this or I have to do this in order to earn my way to relationship. Okay, so maybe I am believing that. Okay, so this is a question we can ask. Before we throw the discipline out, before we say, I'm done with that, it's done, it's religious, I'm done, okay? I want us to ask questions. Can I change the environment for this? Because little changes in these disciplines make a big difference. So for example, I, I don't ever do my Bible reading time in the same area. Sometimes it's at my desk, sometimes it's at the kitchen doing dishes, sometimes it's on the couch, it just is different. So can you change your environment? Can my environment change in this discipline? Second one, can I change up the things that I'm saying or doing to refresh it? So maybe um, I need to just change the way that I'm doing it. I need to just make a little bit of a little change in, change to it to get me excited to to shift my heart back to where the Lord has it. The third one I can ask is. Can I change the time of day or the week that I'm doing this? Maybe you want to quit walking. Maybe you, you've gone, gone on a walk, like a five-minute walk every day. Maybe you want to quit. You're like, nah, I'm done. I'm good with this. Can you refresh it? Can you change the time of day, day that you're doing it? Is there something? Because the discipline itself isn't bad. So what can you do to change it to help shift your heart back into the things of the Lord? One of the things that I've started doing this school year um, that I haven't always done um, is I have gotten up and um, after everything I'll go and I'll do my hair and I'll um, just get kind of nice for the day. And it's a, it's a small discipline that I started doing. I haven't always done it. I just started doing it because I just felt like I needed something else to remind me to be intentional with my days, to be intentional with my girls at home because we're home all day and sometimes that can start to feel kind of monotonous or it can start to feel like I'm not being as intentional as I should be. And so this small discipline helps, me to, helps remind me and pull me back into intention. I didn't always need this discipline. 
I haven't always done it. My, I, it's not like I wasn't intentional last year. I was. Saying that would be religious, that I needed this discipline in order to be my days to be intentional. That puts it in the religion camp. But using this discipline to help steward those days into intention, keeping that with communion with God, helps to, keep, helps to steward my own heart. It disciples my own heart. But before we even ask those three questions about our disciplines, about how to refresh them and how we can change them um, to still allow God to disciple us through them, um, we need to ask a bigger question. We need to ask, are we believing that this discipline is truly something I have to do? Or do I just not feel like doing it? That's a real question. Sometimes we really just don't want to. Sometimes there's no desire there, and we don't feel like doing it. And I say that, I speak to that because I experience that, and we all do. It's a real, it's a real feeling that we do. But that's where the tension is. And I love that tension. The tension of, do I want to listen to that flesh of mine that says, I don't want to because I don't feel like it? Or do I want to persevere and be discipled in perseverance on the way and continue in the discipline that the Lord has for me? Because there's probably breakthrough on the other side now. It's in that tension that we learn to discern a spirit of religion from the flesh that we have to stay, that we have to let stay hidden in ourselves, a flesh that says, I don't want to today. We learn how to discern between the spirit of religion and the flesh in us that says, I don't want to do it today. I'm going to give you an example. Last week, I woke up um, during quiet time, and uh, for my quiet time each morning, I have, like I said, four kids. It gets loud very fast. Questions are at me at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's when they're allowed to get out of bed. So <laughs> it's, there's questions at me all the time starting at 7 a.m., which is beautiful, and I love it. And I also love having time before that to just meet with the Lord and have some quiet time with him. And so I do that. Okay. So um, one time last week I was doing this, and I like my alarm went off and I was like, no, nah, I don't want to today, Lord. It happens a lot. Can you tell? <laughs> I don't want to today, Lord. I just don't have it in me. And I asked myself that question. Do I just not want to or am I really believing that I have to? I'll give you a hint. I wasn't believing that I had to. <laughs> so I got up and I went and sat down and I'd love to tell you that, oh, I really wanted to after I was up. No. I sat down and I said, Lord, I'm here. And that's all I got today. And that's okay. And so what happened was I usually sit down and I'll pray through scripture, I'll journal, and it's a beautiful time and I love it. And so what happened that day instead, I didn't open my journal. I didn't open the Bible. I sat and I prayed for people I love. I put music on, 
I prayed for the people I love, the businesses I love, and I just sat in intercession. And let me tell you, the Lord ministered me so good that morning. And it started by killing the flesh that says, I don't want to today. And letting Jesus do that work in me. So I want this week, I want us to start to look at what disciplines do we hold? Are you being discipled by things of this world? Maybe discipled by fear, by worry, by anxiety, by social media, by comparison? Are those things discipling you? Is that where your discipline lies? If it is, we can change it. We can sit, we can ask, Lord, Lord, what disciplines do you have for me? How do you want to disciple me through the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you a hint. It's not the same for everyone. It's not going to look the same for you. You couldn't tell me that after having a baby and being up all night that the Lord wanted me to wake up an hour before my kids to spend time with him. No, the Lord wanted me to sleep that time. And I know that. And that's okay. So the discipline that he had me do during that time was put in my headphones as I sat and fed a baby and just listened to scripture. And I listened to the same one, he, only he knows how long. It was the same one on repeat, because I was so tired. <laughs> But it was beautiful, and he used that and magnified that time. And so your disciplines aren't going to look the same as the person next to you. It's not going to look the same as your kids, as maybe even your spouse sometimes. There may be some disciplines you hold together, but it's not going to be the same all the time. But just because they're different, I want us to challenge each other, just because someone else's disciplines look different doesn't mean someone else isn't disciplined. Just because it looks different than what you do doesn't mean they're not living out discipleship with God. When we're looking at disciplines and discerning whether or not they're becoming legalistic, we can't base it on our feelings. We can't base it on how I said that. We can't base it on how we feel that day. I don't feel like doing this. I'm, I just, I don't have it in me today. We can't base it on those. We have to base it on truth. And one of the things that we can discern on whether it's becoming religious or legalistic, we can look at it and we can say, what's the fruit that it's producing? Let me look at the fruit. And when I say that, it's real easy to want to look at the immediate fruit. It's real easy to want to say, it's not giving me immediate fruit so I can throw it out. But I want us to take some time to look at the long-term fruit. The long-term testimony that those disciplines impact. Those long-term, that long-term testimony becomes the outward sign that we're living conformed to Jesus. Those disciplines in our lives become an outward sign. When we, this past week, um, my husband had a really big week, and it required, there was a ceremony that we had to go to, and our four girls, the, young, the oldest one is nine, 
So we have a nine, six, four, and one-year-old. Um, we're required to sit front row and center. Um, the seats were separated. They were required to sit front row and center for 30 minutes while a military ceremony went on. We were a little nervous. <laughs> but afterwards, we came home and we said, man, they killed it. They sat there and they were so honoring and so respectful. And we're like, man, we're really impressed with you guys. Like, that was amazing. That afternoon was crazy at home, but that morning was great. <laughs> and what, what I realized afterwards is that there had been discipline set in place in our daily life that without me even knowing it, had disciple them to sit through a 30-minute ceremony. We do read-alouds every day where they have a quiet bag of toys, but they have to sit down and listen. They can play with those quiet toys. They have to listen. They have to sit and listen. We eat around the table, and they have to stay at the table with us. And even though they're kind of wiggly and they fall out their chair sometimes, and it feels the short-term fruit does not feel like fruit. But then we see stuff like this. We're like, yeah, those disciplines matter. So what disciplines in my life that I don't think matter really hold long-term fruit like this? And in order to discern those, we have to be really honest with ourselves. Most, of, most disciplines we do are habitual. We don't even think about them anymore. So most disciplines like the prayers that you do in the mornings, you don't even think about them. You just kind of start them, like I told you before, and maybe they stop you, they cause you to pause. But I want you to think about the things after the, the things you do after waking up. Maybe you make your way to the bathroom, maybe the shower, wash your hands, wash your face, you're, getting, you're brushing your teeth, okay? All these things are done probably without much thought. You're probably not thinking about them, but you're doing them because you're getting ready for your day, and that's what you do. But even those things are shaping us and forming us for good hygiene. As with habits, they help shape us. Those particular things help shape us into good hygiene. Yet, when we take that same application and put it to the things of the Lord, we want to scream religion. But maybe it's discipline that's shaping us and discipling us. We have to understand. I'm going to push some buttons, guys. Maybe. <laughs> we have to understand that laziness can be religion's companion. So it's vital in those moments of wanting to step back from a discipline and ask the Lord, is this something I believe that I have to do, or am I just being lazy? And I say it bluntly like that because I've had to ask myself that same question. And I still have to. And we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves. Because that's in that tension of saying, yeah, I want to be lazy right now. And being able to say, but I'm not. Man, the Lord magnifies that, y'all. There's breakthrough there. 
Because all of a sudden, a part of your heart and a part of your life has now fallen back into submission of God. And he's not just going to leave it there. He's going to do something with it. If it truly is religion, if I truly am doing a discipline that I believe I have to do, then the following, the next, would be beneficial. Lord, I know the discipline itself isn't bad. So show me where I need to shift in order to keep my flesh from twisting it into something it's not. Just because it has become religious doesn't mean it has to stay there. We can bring it back into alignment of relationship and communion with God. So as I close out tonight, I want to kind of drive home the, the points for, that, I, that I went over. God cares deeply about the details and days of our lives but it must also be paired with relationship with him. He cares deeply about the details. He cares deeply about the, our daily lives, but it has to be in relationship with him. We have to keep it in that relationship and communion. Disciplines in our life create space to be discipled. Those disciplines we hold create space in our daily lives without us even thinking about it to be discipled by the Holy Spirit. We often think of discipleship in terms of each other and in terms of um, discipling our kids or, or other people. But the Holy Spirit disciples us and conforms us more and more to be like Jesus, to hand over little, little bits of our hearts that we're maybe fighting, giving to him, and says, now nah, they're yours. Holy Spirit teaches us through those disciplines and disciples us. Religion uses discipline to twist the truth behind it. Religion uses those disciplines and tells us we have to instead of we get to. Religion will twist them and tell them, you have to do this to earn it. You sh it needs to look this way. That's not the truth. No matter what, I am being discipled by something through the disciplines I hold. I'm either being discipled by the things of the Lord or the things of the world. I cannot base my disciplines on how I feel. My feelings have to be under the, under the umbrella of truth. Let's not take what is good out of communion and experience with God. It was never meant to be. Disciplines have the ability to, come, to become religious when taken out of relationship. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to ask the Lord how to shift the disciplines back into relationship with him. This week, I'm going to join you, and I really want us to go after how we're being disciplined, how we're being discipled, what disciplines is the Lord using in our life. 
to walk us through whatever he's preparing for us, to walk us through what he has for us. What are those disciplines? What are they discipling us in? Patience, self-control, being slow to speak, slow to anger. What little disciplines is he discipling us in? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, thank you for freedom. Thank you for the freedom to be able to know that we are not what we do. Thank you from, for the freedom from religion, the religious spirit, Lord. Thank you for your discipline. Thank you for caring about our days, Father. Lord, this week, walk with us as we cling to you. Open our eyes to what you have for us in discipleship. Open our eyes to how you are bringing us to you, Lord, to those disciplines that you want us to have, to the ones that you want us to pick back up, the ones you want us to let go. Open our eyes and reveal those, Lord. Lord, we are not lazy, and we do not claim that. And we will not be lazy in the disciplines that you give us. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight, Father, and being with us as we leave and through our weeks. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.